When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. No, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sun down, shining in. Oh. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. I tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown. Hello, Holy Base, Dyson Jack. Time, time out. We got a. Uh, we have currently Greg Pappas on the board. We'll have Matt Byrne in a second. Uh, SP Futures up six, Nasdaq Futures up forty. So we're trying to continue <clears throat> Friday's rally after Thursday's kind of massive sell-off. So. Friday's rally was pretty good, so we'll see if we bounce back the last week in August. I understand we have Mr. Murphy. Yes, sir. Good morning, Mr. Tom. How are you? Okay. You're sounding a little rough this morning. Well, Tom. you know, What's it's in? uh, you know, it's what happens when you all of a sudden start talking at this hour in the morning. You know, just <laughs> the uh, it um, uh, no, everything's everything's fine on this. And matter of fact, I had a nice weekend down in uh, Ogden Dunes, well, well, one day and a half, and. Uh, down to Michigan City for lunch yesterday and had a nice, a nice, nice people down there. Had a little uh, shindig Saturday night with the the ladies of Ogden Dudes had their uh, their what do you call it? their uh, fundraiser, which they give out most of the money in uh, uh, charity to the people in the area, and uh, the rest of it they you know fix up the dunes and do some stuff and buy some stuff for the fire department and whatever people in small towns do, you know. And it's kind of it's kind of fun once in a while to. To drop in and uh, see them and talk to them, and I, you know, we always talk about the, the politicians, and I, I try and I try and be careful to say that they're actually like are really good politicians somewhere in this country. I mean, it's not it's not just Chicago, it's not just New York, it's not just the people you see on TV. And one of the ladies there who just retired, God, she's got to be got be in her seventies. Um, uh, Karen, oh, that was her last name. I'll think of it. Um, she's a uh, I've known, you know, when I say known her, I've seen her at Shindigs there over the years, and uh, she's been, I think she was a rep for uh, Indiana rep, and uh, I've said, you know, good things about her. She's just regular person in the area, <laughs> no, no 12 bodyguards, none of that stuff, just a regular lady who comes and, and really was dedicated to her job, and I had a chance to talk to her on Saturday, and I said, you know, I've actually mentioned you on the show a bit, she was all, all impressed, I didn't, I mean, it sounded like we were, you know, nationwide <laughs> at 12 stations, but I, I didn't I didn't do that. And uh, she was telling me how much, if you actually 
put your nose into it, how much you actually have to learn to do a good job. And how she was on, when she made it to the budget committee, how for two or three years she was on the medical, whatever, the medical like subcommittee, in learning all about how all the medical costs were, and to you know, do something on the bills and who pays what and where. She says it is so complicated, it is so crazy. <laughs> it took her, you know, literally a few years to really get the hang of it, to know enough about the industry to actually quiz people and stuff. And then after that, she ended up on the, uh, they switched her over to a Department of Transportation. So that it took another, you know, learning curve to all about the highway contracts, which one, how much maintenance is needed, who all the money came from. It, w- it was really fascinating listening to her. I mean, and it's like anything else, Mike, if you, if you do the job right, I think you would agree with me. There is no such thing as an easy job if you do it right. No, I, you're right about that, and and those are two kind of complicated areas too. I mean, medicine and uh, transportation; those are big areas too. So the, uh, but you know, you know what thing I, uh, I mean, I'm probably going to push this off to Flanny because I have some specific questions for you. But you know, I find I looked around. You know, you know, it's weird. Uh, we've always been somewhat observant sorts, maybe more so than the rest of our some of our clan uh not that they were drug induced someone saying anything like that but uh it seems like i'm getting more observant since i'm doing the show because we talk about all these different topics and i find myself even at this at this party of course get a load of this mike you'll love this old greg the uh the, the band winders in and they've got this like six person band why they needed them you know that in that, that kind of a room i have no idea uh so it's like in a, in a bar nice place but at the acoustics so they didn't have a sound guy, which which means that every guy was monkeying around with his own volume, right? Right. <laughs> so the guy's, you know, says that a keyboard guy, like, this is your song. So the guy couldn't get his keyboard to be loud enough to where he thought it was loud enough where he could hear himself playing. So he kept upping it like his keyboard. So as soon as he did, the goofball bass player next to him felt his bass was too low. And he'd up, finally, every, <laughs> it was so loud, everybody, like, walked out of the balcony. <laughs> anyway. They blasted you out oh, of the room. Oh God, huh? you, you couldn't hear yourself think. And uh, <laughs> but you know what I noticed? Uh, just looking around. Now this is an area that got steel mills kind of on both sides of them, and a lot of the people there work in the mills or have. And you know, I'm not accusing them. I'm just saying what's what the deal is. Like I looked around, I could I could probably notice four, five, six people. Plus I heard about a couple others that aren't that old. You know. Uh, they're not like they're 90 or anything. All seem to have been some st- some stage of you know, like chemotherapy. Their hair's growing back, or nobody's got any hair. People weren't. Any- I'm thinking, you know, I wonder. I mean, and then the next morning I go to the seven in the morning. Of course, I'm down at the Myers. The health of the people walking through the place, the young couples that are all 150 pounds overweight. And I'm going, my God, what what's wrong with this area? I mean, some it's. I mean, if you just observe. You wonder, are we in that kind of a health crisis here or not? I mean, we must be. I mean, I, well, there's a lot of people are saying that uh, Americans have a tremendous problem with obesity, and you can see it with, well, younger people and older people. But and I'm not talking about, you know, and I, and I certainly can't, I'm not about to lecture people on having a few pounds extra, but it seems like there's kind of a difference. See, a lot of these people are 25 years old. They've, they've got like a kid or two, the, the women especially. It looks like they've never even walked or anything. It's like there's not even any... It's, it's not like they you know, they, they got older and, and discovered beer or something. I mean, it was, it, it's like they're, they're, they, never, they never do anything at all. And 
uh, you know, I don't know what is, are there people. They must never go to work. They must never. I mean, you, you couldn't function like that outside the house. Is well, there's. I mean, look at how uh, heavily dependent we are on automobiles, and you know, people just don't walk anymore. And it's not easy to walk. I mean, we don't have sidewalks in our area. And, you know, the only place here in the county that has sidewalks is the city. So it's, I'm not making, well, I guess I am making excuses. It's just, you know, there's just really, there's plenty of parks, but then you have to get in your car to go to the park yeah. to walk. So, Well, that's the one thing that's about this spot in Oregon Dunes, it, hence the name Dunes. It's, it's real hilly. And just just walking around is about maybe two and a half three miles, and up and down, up and down. So I haven't been doing this for a while. And Audrey and I went out walking yesterday, and I'm like, a couple of these hills. I was puffing. I'm going. She goes, yeah, no, four days in a row, you'd be fine. And she's probably right about that. Or hopefully, hopefully she is. But you know, boy, all you have to do is really walk around the place once a day, and you're and you're you're fine. <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, it's it's nice to be able to walk out the door and do something. Hey, I wonder, right. Well, I mean, how often do you go for a walk? Um, well, I go to the gym, but I get on a bike there. But no, I, I should be going more. I used to, uh, three, four times a week, I'd make it from my house up to Belmont and uh, the, the lake and back, which is, that's a that's six miles. Oh, that's good. But I haven't you done that in a while. I haven't done that yeah. in a while. But I mean, that's a, uh, you know, it was so easier <laughs> when we were young, Mike. I used to be, uh, I'd get out, I'd go to the lakefront, I'd, I'd run my four miles. It would take me maybe 32 minutes you do a bunch of push-ups and a bunch of sit-ups in 45 minutes you're done <laughs> when, when you're young right. you can knock it off that fast and you're going that's fine now to do that same thing would take us what <laughs> right, exactly <laughs> we, or we, you're out playing softball and yeah. you're getting some exercise that way you know yeah um so get a load of this the softball team that i'm no longer on matty weber's team they were horrible all year i think they got one tie and they got slaughtered every other game and so they end up winning the first two playoff games. It has to be the biggest upset in sports. I guess. Would you guys ring? <laughs> hey, but I have. Uh, we've been talking a little bit about military stuff, and uh, Greg, pop in here if you want. But uh, my question, Mike, is on the bigger end. With all the stuff you see right now, we've got Ukraine stuff. We've got Black Sea stuff. We've got Navy chasing down pirates, or not pirates, but the Iranian goofballs in the in the. Uh, the Gulf, or the, what is that? The Gulf of something, something. Uh, it's the Persian Gulf. Persian probably. Gulf, and uh, we've got stuff going on with uh, Taiwan. We've got, you know, Russia doing God knows what. Who, when you talk to, who, who works all the the budgets and the logistics and all this stuff? And every, is there enough meat in the budget? I know it's a million questions here, but I guess my question: is How does how does it all work? I mean, how does somebody decide? Man, these Chinese are getting a little frisky. This this cruiser or this destroyer or this uh, aircraft carrier, which would be a huge thing, you know, instead of having three out the next year, we better have four. So we defer maintenance on this guy. And by the way, we're going to take this cruiser from the Mediterranean and shove it over the Pacific. I mean, all that's is that all like in the budget? Is every single time they do something like that, does it have to go back no, to Congress? No, it's not or? all in the budget. They they base it on <clears throat> they base it on threats. How often so, do they review this stuff? Like weekly, monthly, yearly? No, they review it uh, annually, usually, and you know they, <clears throat> the Pentagon comes up with a threat assessment, and then they kind of work it from there. They see what they need, and every you know every service fights for their money, and uh, 
then they will be able to go out. The problem is that the cycle takes too long. You know, for aircraft and ships, it probably takes 10 years for the whole programming cycle to complete itself. But who decides, um, you know, we've got, say we got an aircraft carrier someplace, and a submarine someplace, who decides we got the Chinese got too many submarines now, we better drag one away from chasing Russian submarines and throw them over? I mean, who may, who makes that call and, and shifts the, the whole? Uh, the operations guys in the Pentagon, in conjunction with the Navy on ships, and uh, for you know, for like Europe and troops in Europe, that would be once again operations people in the Pentagon in conjunction with the Army to determine you know what we need where. But every time you do something, do you, is there enough? That's no, there's probably not enough, and. And the services, there was just a very good article, I think it was in the Post, it was either in the Post or the Wall Street Journal, about how recruiting is suffering now because the, the well, there's not enough youth for all the jobs we need, and there's not enough youth uh, to that are in shape enough to get into the services, and whether they want to get into the services is is another story. So... It, the services are having a very hard time meeting their recruiting goals. Is, is it is the thought there? Well, you and Lou should be talking about this, not me. Is is the thought there when we have a lot of? Uh, matter of fact, you know, Audrey just told me yesterday that some person she just sold a house to uh, in the uh, software industry thinks he's getting laid off and wants to wants to sell the house. And uh, is is there any thought to having people who? Uh, in other words, I mean, without telling too much, you were you were in the army. You did some work for the army after you were out. Is there any thought to like recruiting people to be sort of in the army, uh, where you know they actually make a a regular paycheck for people? May not, may I'm sure a guy like this. I don't know what the hell he does, but well, you know, okay. So Tom, in my field in intelligence, we had a lot of contractors. So they were, you know, it kind of gets into your statement there about you know they're they're kind of in the army but they're not and but the problem is uh for instance we used to have a lot of people work targeting of terrorists and then as we switch countries or as the terrorists go away then we have to shift the emphasis for those people and it's it's just not a oh for a lot of them, it's not a real steady job. So we take a guy that was an intel analyst in the Army, he gets out of the Army and we hire him right away because he has a clearance, and then we can put him to work on essentially doing the same types of things that he was doing when he wasn't, when he or she was in the Army, or in the Navy, or the Air Force. So you know, as long as, uh, they're willing to work and we pay them enough we do get some contractor help so uh but whether it's enough to fill all the gaps you know i'm not sure about that well i guess uh the real stupid question uh greg's signaling me across the table if if all of a sudden i'm 35 years old and i have all this whatever program experience you name it does the, does the army ever have help wanted signs, or can you can you just apply to work for the army, not be in the army? Uh, yes, you can. That's what I was for years. I was an army civilian, so I got out of the army 
oh, I retired from the Army, as you well know, and then I worked uh, as a contractor at a training site in Germany for about, oh, I don't know, three or four months. And all that time when I was preparing to get out of the Army and right when I got out of the Army, I was filling out applications to work for the Army or to work in Europe, you know, in an intel position. And finally, I got hired, and then I had to move, and we have, we all eventually moved to England to work at what's called the Joint Analysis Center. And then uh, and there I worked as an Army civilian and, uh, and then moved back to Germany as an Army civilian about, uh, well, about two years later. But if you're a, uh, you had a, you had a, a serious skill set, what, what if you're, uh, you know, a chef and all your restaurant closes, can you, can you apply to be an army chef at Fort something something? Yes, you can, because we had, uh, usually though, at the, at the installations or at the bases, they, they can usually do it with army troops or navy people or whatever but they very often will hire uh civilians you know service civilians because they know that they have the skills and they can help train the younger service personnel on how to do their jobs the reason why i I ask is, is for whatever reason and i uh well, I, don't know, I think I read in the last whatever, the Iraq and all the other Afghanistan we had all these people over there fighting and dying and getting hurt uh, I read somewhere that like something like only 11% or 8% of the whole army group, army, navy air force, marines uh, were from the big cities I mean they just, they, the volunteer people just don't I'm not well the big cities uh, usually are not a um, uh, a prime uh, recruitment area, although there, you know, we had plenty of people. I, I'm pretty sure, anyways, from New York City after 9/11 en- enlisted, but that that's hard to say. I don't know all the recruiting stats, but uh, in that one article that I just read, they were talking about even, you know. Um, uh, kids from military families aren't joining the military the way they used to. So, you know, that's that's just another telling thing about there's there's better jobs out there than maybe being in the service. And some of the people are afraid to be, they're not afraid, they're very leery of deployments. So, you, you know, you come in and you go to uh, Grenada like I had to do, or you go to Somalia or you, you know, you go to a wartime area, and some people just don't want to do that. Well, you might get killed. Well, unfortunately, that's uh, yeah. the price we pay. Well, I mean, I, I, it just seems I don't, I can't tell, Mike, if it's it's the if it's the lack of uh, <clears throat> coverage, for lack of a better term. But I don't. Other than was a lady here next door, uh, office next door to PTI. Uh, her son was in. I think he had three. Deployments to either Afghanistan or Iraq, one of the two. I mean, he was right a, when they, you know, people in the army were deploying all the time in those days. And uh, but but I mean, if if you read the paper here, other than you know some big old political stuff about you know, how much money we're spending here or there, you never heard of anybody going anywhere. And I very rarely knew or heard of 
somebody's kid or something, unless they went to West Point or someplace. Uh, being being, it's almost like the wars don't don't touch us, you know. And yet, if you go to Columbus, where my Italian family side lives, you pick up. Of course, I'm the only guy up on Sunday morning at five o'clock. I grabbed a paper, and uh, there there's people from all the towns around Columbus. This this group of auto mechanics out of this suburb. You know, they're heading to Afghanistan, and some other guys are coming back. There seemed like there was all this movement in some of these. And I've had other people on the air that say, once you get out of Chicago, Illinois is actually a very big base of reserves and things like that that we're sending people. But you never even heard about it here. It was like, other than the headlines, there was no war. You know, it's kind of weird. Unfortunately for... You know, a lot of people, if it if it doesn't affect them, you know, they're not too worried about it. Well, I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, how many how many of your nephews or nieces have been in any service? You know, and Total, has it totally really affected of, your family? Totally you know? out of sight, out of mind. Totally right. out of sight, so, out of mind. Now, in my family and my son's friends, you know, we know of people at different places that are going somewhere. You know, all the time. So it just is, it's just, if it doesn't affect you, you're not paying particular attention to it. Yeah, in World War II, I, I, one day when I was, uh, we talking about walking, I walked from Midtown all the way down to Wall Street just because I've never really seen New York and figured out I'll, I'll, you know, take my chances on a neighborhood. Of course, this was 25 years ago and things were a little better turned by getting shot. Um, God, you'd walk by a church, in, you know, down in some area in New York, it'd be a Catholic church at, been there forever, and you see a list outside of people killed in World War II, and there are like 25 names on there. Yeah, and, and you'll see that in a lot of small towns if you look around. There's usually some sort of a monument that where, and, and you know, keep in mind, World War II was a huge conflict. Yeah. And, uh, you know, lots of people deployed, and it was a national emergency. And, you know, when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, that motivated people. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, that, that, nothing uh, focuses like the gallows, right? I mean, I mean, my family. Well, hell, my uncle died, and my uncle or my father. I guess you could make a case he did too, because he came back from South Pacific with a melanoma that they messed up, and he ended up dying of brain cancer. So, right, I, I'd say that's you know we we were two for two, you know, which is kind of a lot. Uh, um, in fact, my uncle died uh, taking a bridge in Germany. Um, anyway, Mike, we go for a break here. Why don't you hang around with Mister Flanagan? Talk about what else is going on if you if you have the minute. Plus, All right, you, Tom. You, you, can, you can help me fight with John. I always need some help. SB Futures up seven, NASDAQ Futures up 40. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. 
Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howe. We have Mike Murphy on the phone. We should have John Flanagan with us in a second. We have Greg Pappas and Matt Byrne in studio. So good group this morning. Hey, real quick before I do this, uh, these guys, we've been talking about these dudes for a while, uh, even though there's not a whole lot of information on who owns what, but well, Greg just dug up some stuff. Uh, this China Evergrande group that we've been talking about with the property developer, they stopped trading a while ago. They actually reopened on trading today, and they uh, closed, they went down 87%. They went from dollar 65 Hong Kong dollars down to I don't know 20 cents or something something so not such a good day there because these are the guys we talked about with the chapter 15 declaration a week ago which is a, a foreign company I guess declaring bankruptcy here to protect any US assets they might have so they kind of in, in lockstep with whatever app wherever the real back uh, bankruptcy was filed which I'm assuming was Hong Kong Greg's gonna more about this a minute we get off the or a minute I get done talking here uh, Dow, Dow, Dow futures are up uh, 90, so we're, I guess we're trying to come back um, again on, on uh, Friday, just as a as a review. The Dow was up 247, S&P up 29, Nasdaq up 126, which got us a chunk back of what we lost on Thursday. Uh, Asia, we've got the Nikkei up 545, 1.7. They were down pretty heavy when we were earlier in the week last week, but they made a big comeback. Uh, Hang Seng up 174, 18,130, back up over 18,000. This is what, despite this uh, Evergrande going down, of course, everybody knew that was going to happen. I mean, they, they haven't traded for 20 months or something. 
Shanghai up 34, 1.1%. It's a pretty big move for Shanghai. We haven't seen that in a while either. Uh, Europe, DAX up 78.5%. FTSE up 5, call that flat. I don't know why they're, uh, they're not uh, participating, but they aren't. Nick around up 48.7%. Again, the uh, Fed chair signals maybe more rate, rate heights possible on Friday, but he's maybe a little more dovish than, than people expected. I mean, who the hell knows? Uh, U.S. 10-year 4.23 unchanged. The Bund up one basis point, uh, 2.57. Japan unchanged at 0.67. We've got oil uh, back down under 80 bucks, 79.64 down 19 cents. Rent down 34 cents, 84.14. Natural gas up five cents, two fifty-seven. Arbob down five cents, two eighty-two. And I have to say that instead of paying the four something something in the Burbs or the five in the city, three sixty-seven at the Myers in Portage, uh, Greg. What do you think of that? Time to celebrate. Well, you know, I'd be, you can buy an extra couple hot dogs. I got to <laughs> give this suburban a twenty-five gallon drink, and I got three quarters of a tank. What do you think of that? Just saying. Uh, gold up two forty, nineteen forty-two. Silver up two cents, twenty-four twenty-six. Copper unchanged 376. Uh, and we've got Bitcoin, which has been getting clobbered, down another 170, 25,950. Actually, might have a guest this week to talk about Bitcoin. Uh, one of uh, Mike and my and John and I's friends from uh, Notre Dame actually is in a business where they trade this stuff. And I'm kind of dying to talk to him. I hope I'm not too negative on it because <laughs> I don't think it's worth anything. But I, I'll probably won't tell him that. Uh, Euro uh, in, in, the, in the British pound. Both up a little bit, so the dollar's down just a hair. But the euro's at 108 and the pound 125.8. So they settled in maybe a point or two under where they were a couple of weeks ago. A lot of stuff. Matt, what do you have for traffic, weather, sports? A lot of traffic. Oh, definitely, yeah. Good morning. It's currently 6.37 a.m. on August 28, 2023. As far as weather in Chicago, currently 62 degrees, a high of 78 degrees today. Mostly sunny skies throughout the day. As far as the work week forecast, tomorrow scattered thunderstorms and lower 80s. Wednesday through Friday, clear skies with temperatures in the upper 70s into the lower 80s by Friday. Down in Phoenix, Arizona, clear skies, 94 degrees currently, a high of 113 degrees today. In the MLB yesterday, Cubs won against Pirates, 10-1, and White Sox won as well, 6-1 against Oakland Athletics. Tonight, Cubs play Brewers at Wrigley, game starts at 7-5 p.m. And White Sox away at Orioles, catch that tonight at 6-05. The NFL preseason is still in progress. Saturday, Bears lose to Bills 21-24. In golf, PGA Tour Championship wrapped up yesterday in Atlanta, Georgia with the FedEx Cup. Top player was once again Victor Hovland of Norway, who you may remember won the BMW tournament last week. Has anybody ever had two Sundays in a row like that guy yet? He's, he's something, that guy, yeah. All the way from Norway well, with a total score of negative 27 and total earnings of $18 million. Hovland is the third youngest FedEx Cup champion in history. So for now, Chief, back to you. Okay, even a guy like Flanagan could do something with 18 mil. <laughs> you can find, you definitely find something to do with 18 he mil. Might, uh, he, might, he might show up once in a while at the bar. I mean, if he had 18 mil, what do you think? 17 in a Stocks and Jocks account and one to uh, right. and one Hookers for, and Blow. One, yeah, one, one for fun, yeah. Yeah, one for fun. <laughs> so the, uh, uh, Tom, I'd give it all to you to man. Well, that would be the smart move, actually. Um we're pretty good at what we do. Don't uh, you have to pay taxes on that? Well, yeah, we have, that's yeah. the problem. If we make you dough, you got to pay taxes. <laughs> I can see John weeping about the taxes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> every once in a while, I get one of the clients who call up, and all, and all they wanted me to do is, is is try and weasel them out of their taxes. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, if, if I ever had to write a million-dollar check to the government, I, I'd even buy a drink for you guys. That would be the happiest day of my life. 
Because look how much I must I would have made after all these guys a million bucks. Two million. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe more, way more than that. I'm not in Cal- we're not in California. So. <laughs> but, uh, hey, uh, um, I, had a, I, had a, I had a very cogent question here. There's a uh, – did you guys see the, the, the person getting shot in Saks Park? You hear about that? Mm. Yeah. Two people in the bleachers, right? They think it was one bullet. Yeah, and they don't know. They said it was not connected to an altercation with involving the victims, and they don't know. There was who a the shot spotter, was, so. a shot spotter event a mile away from the stadium. Supposedly, people were firing into the air at some party. Really? Yeah. Yep, and it came down in section one sixty one. And yeah, I mean, there's a video of that area. There wasn't any kind of altercation or anything. People were sitting. All of a sudden, people start waving because they see this lady bleeding. Well, it looks like Chicago's a third world uh, country. That's what they used to do in Albania and Bosnia when they celebrated. So just fire shots in the air. They do it in my neighborhood on New Year's Eve, Mike. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. We've kind of lost the rule of law. Um, What what do you think of an educational system where people actually think if you shoot it in the air, it doesn't come down someplace? (laughs) That's the quality of our science instruction, Tom. Yeah, I, uh, I'm just, I, I, I'm, I'm astounded by that whole. Mike, what is the, um, boy, I'm, I'm asking a guy like he's a Mr. Mr. Rifle guy. What is the reason why I ask is years ago, Audrey and I went to some New Year's Eve party downtown. It's back when we still used to go to the one of those things. So it had to be God knows how many years. And we're driving back, and all of a sudden there's this huge police blockade. They made us go all the way to like. Ashland Avenue or someplace, and I said to the guy, "What are we doing?" He goes, "Everybody in Cabrini Green shoots the thing up in the air for New Year's Eve. We don't want to land it on your head." And I go, "Okay." <laughs> I never even thought about that. So, Mike, what kind of an angle would you have to take if you're a mile away from a ballpark? They have one land in the park. It's kind of shoot it up. They must be pointing their weapon at the the ballpark. You know for it to come down in the park. I mean, it has to be like an artillery shell way up in the air and, and come over the top of the roof and land. Oh, the, I don't know about that. It, well, there's no, no, it didn't, it, no, it came from the ground. So so somebody had to shoot it up in the air and had to come down in the park from, from up high. Right, well, they're, they're aiming toward the park. It's, they had to have been. For a mile away, I don't even think... Well, I don't know about a mile away. That's, that's, that's a pretty strong weapon, so who knows, Tom? Yeah. I, I mean... <clears throat> Well, the, the wind is a factor too. Might know a little bit about it, but they'll just stay, say it was a stray round, and you know, what good does investigating that when hardly anybody's going to uh, be willing to speak about shots, or rounds being fired up into the air? Yeah, it's. I mean, we. we I don't know what, what happened to our educational system, but it's it's, it's someplace. Uh, you see this guy. What, what do you have to do to be a Harvard expert? You think we get Flanagan as a Harvard expert, Mike, or not? Yeah, I think, and you, the guy that went to Marist with you would be a Harvard expert if he's still alive. Uh, he is. Um, yeah. The uh, we had one guy that went to Marist. Good guy. Uh, we went to uh, Harvard. Mark Zuckerberg. Is, here's a guy from Harvard. Ashton Jackson. I don't. I don't. I don't think that's the Harvard person. But uh, about how divisive it is now to actually require people to come back to work three days a week. And how, how, what a miss. How, how did people ever think they would never have to go back to work again? Well, you know, it's 
it's uh, I guess it's uh, false expectations you know I guess if you can get away with it for two years you could probably get away with it forever that's what they think about so the tech giants and that's you know there's a generation that's been brought up that way so the tech giants new mandate for full-time employees reportedly includes three in-office days per week the use of employee badge swipes for attendance tracking I don't even know if your people are there and a requirement for workers to display their physical locations at all times um, okay then. The uh, they well, of course the uh, they established a, a remote work policy in 2021, uh, and then they went to a hybrid schedule in June, and they didn't lay out the details until last week. But everybody's outraged. I think some of these people actually moved to another state, and never dreamed they ever had to come back in. How, why would anybody ever think that? Just maybe they're maybe like you say, Mike. They're just they're just young. Uh, I don't know. John, what did you uh? We were talking to Mike about how the military decides where they're going to uh, put stuff and how it works in, into the budget. So, Mike, what, what would it cost if, uh, if say, oops, the China thing is uh, getting a little crazy. We better take, you know, a cruiser destroyer and two submarines and ship them that way and, or, or not put them into, uh, you know, rehab or whatever you want to call it and actually just keep them going for a while. Is that, I mean, what, is there, is there always a, I'll use the term fudge factor in the budget that covers that stuff, or does that immediately mean you're over? No, I think it might immediately mean you're over. But they they generally, you know, look at the the threats. Tom, well, I know they look at a threat at the threats on an annual basis, and they probably will have programmed that. You know, you talked about moving a ship from the Med to the Pacific or to the Persian Gulf. Well, they've looked long-term at that, and they try to determine where they need uh, ships. And and now China has the biggest blue water fleet in the world, I think. I'm pretty sure, actually. So, you know, they're looking hard at what the Chinese are doing in really pr- for probably all the services. Um, when you say, you know, I've read that. Uh, A lot of those are tiny yeah, aren't they a lot Tiny of dinghies? But are, 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 are we when I when we talk about, and Jack could talk about this more because he's more of a wordsmith. But when we talk about a, a blue water fleet, we're talking about people who can be at sea for months at a time with all the supply and all the stuff, you know, zillions of miles from home. I don't, I don't think the Chinese have that at all, do they? They've got like one carrier. Well, they, they have a. As uh, I think it's Matt just said, they have a lot of small ships, but you know they keep building up their fleet. Yeah. But but they are now an ocean-going navy, and they consider the Pacific. That you know they want to own the Pacific, and and fortunately for us, we still have a heavy presence in the Pacific. But you know that's a huge ocean, and you've got to be careful where you put. Uh, where we put the ships, and we have to have something near Taiwan probably at all times, and it, I'm sure it's more than one something. They, they've probably got an aircraft carrier that can get there quickly, and several destroyers, and so. But the Chinese consider any territory around their area, namely the South China Sea, and and then that strait between Taiwan and China. That's that's their area. Well, they put the few fake islands in there, right, and says it's actually theirs. Well, they built up islands, yeah. and, and then they they say that uh, well, they're just they're using that as the, those 
the built-up islands as bases. What um, kind of leads me to another spot I want to talk with both you and Jan here. Uh, how conflicting, I mean, I think you guys think, but how, have you ever either seen or heard anything more conflicting than our relationship with China? I mean, last week, the people from NVIDIA were, were, were whining to beat the band, or sniveling, as they used to say, on the floor, because they're, they're uh, stopping them from, uh, the, the Biden administration is stopping them from sending these high-end chips over there, which they claim is their their third wheel of profit, they're going to all go into electric vehicles. So, of course, evidently the chips are also capable, I'm reading between the lines, of doing something other than electric vehicles. And they're, they're, they're whining. So, it's you know, we have people here dying to sell this stuff to everybody over there, and other people saying, hey, all these guys are doing is, is, is mobilizing to become, you know, the world leader. We don't want them doing it. I mean, how, how, do, how, do you, how does an army or even a, even a government, I mean, I used to say, uh, first start of the show back when things were simpler you know on one hand you've got uh you know bill gates running the oval office saying these guys you know have bought four copies of software and they got 90 gazillion computers they must be pirating them which they probably did and then you have next guy in is from uh you know uh kentucky fried chicken say what are you doing there's more pictures of the of the colonel over there and there are a mound all they do is eat chicken so i mean it's always been a conflicted sort of thing if, if any of us were in the oval office trying to deal with this, because one person wants to sell stuff, one person wants to invest over there, next guy says, all they're doing is stealing my stuff. I mean, And then the next guy says, what are you talking about? They're building aircraft carriers to shoot at us. So, I mean, it's... John, you go first. What, I mean, how do you, how do you get your arms around this? It's, it's got all the mark, the makings to me of some kind of a dependency on some, you know, sort of nefarious substance where you know what it's doing to you, and you but you still can't get enough of it. And, you know, the Chinese have depended on American consumers and consumers everywhere else too to keep their economy afloat and yet now we've got you know a pullback of American investment in China that I'm sure has them really spooked. Um, the Commerce Secretary is visiting China this week. I think I read somewhere it's the fourth cabinet level visit by an American to China in just the last two or three months and some of them have ended up pretty badly. Anthony Blinken being humiliated by his counterparts in China, but apparently this time around, Gina Raimondi is going to be treated fairly well. It seems well the tea leaves that are coming out. I think they realize now that their economy is in such a mess that we have to be involved in in the sort of spectacular collapse that seems to be brewing on the horizon here in some way or another. And of course, we will have to be too because we're so inextricably tied to them now that anything that happens there of the size seems to be shaping up is going to have a terrible effect in this country too. So I, I just think it's it becomes you know a, a you know, tension between greed and you know just political savvy, where we've gotten so used to making money and looking the other way for human rights abuses and and everything else that at some point the piper has to be paid and it's, it's going to be a messy collision of those forces but it, in some ways it's been destined for a long time but how do you how do you end up with uh we've had two administrations in a row well trump was more thumping his chest but i think this this guy has been just as down on some of the uh, chinese stuff i mean in terms of actual well trump to the tariff I mean, it's hard for me to say who's who was you know, allegedly stricter or harder, whatever you want to call, uh, Trump with the tariffs, and then this guy would cut you know certain stuff out. 
But at the end of the day, how do you, didn't Greg? We talked. Was it last week or the week before? We actually have more generic drugs coming out of there than before either one of these guys started talking. We were more we're more dependent on generic drugs than we were. Is it true? Now, after all this, after seven years now of two presidents who are not but beating on these guys, how how could how could our, our drug industry be more dependent than it ever was? If if that's even true, well, they're not playing on the same team. Everybody else's. That's why. Well, evidently not. I mean, it's I. Uh, I mean, you know, I, it just seems like there, as usual, everybody just talks and there's no there's no plan of any of any type. What? Uh, how does how does this affect this fighting back and forth, uh, Mike? If all of a sudden you go from, like John just said, they they beat up on one ambassador and it looks like we're going. If you had the you know the doomsday clock. Like we nudge closer to a problem with China, and all of a sudden now this month they're going back the other way and being nicer. If you're in defense, how do you, do you just kind of let that roll, or, or do you? No, I wouldn't let it roll, Tom. I, you know, the Chinese, you know, and I'm going to beat a drum here. The Chinese think long term; we think short term about profits. The generic drug industry industry ought to be centered in the United States. We should not sell technology to the Chinese because they cheat you know they use it to do other things and they're killing us on you know copying our technology you know they get something and then they develop their own thing and then then it becomes their product so we should be investing in America and we should not be selling any high-end technology or anything important to the American public to the Chinese, you know, we just don't think long term enough. Well, how do, how do you, the how WHO do you, uh, essential medicines list says China produces fifteen percent, USA produces twenty one percent, and then the rest of the world produces sixty four percent of all of, drugs of the three hundred and seventy U.S. marketed drugs on the essential medicines list for. So, India and all these other places are big too. It must be, yeah. So well, we, Mexico is probably decent, and you know who knows what Brazil might be doing. But we just need to be more careful with. If take the you know the electric vehicles, we should be doing a lot of that in the United States. But instead, we're pawning off that industry to China, and it's just kind of ridiculous at this point. Well, you can't. A, a lot of that, uh, Mike. I don't know if we listen to uh, Carl much, but a lot of that is our. Our biggest real, I mean, underneath the whole story is we're, we're essentially offshoring our, I'll use the term, unfair labor, child labor, and our pollution. I mean, you can say what you want here. I mean, I, I'll, I'll go into the the electric car, I, should I use the term lunatics, aficionados. <laughs> to, totally get rid of the fact that, that building a battery is incredibly pollution and it's in, in tough to the environment we don't right. want we don't want Tom, to hear i agree but yeah. you know unfortunately you know we can't have everything you know it's not all pie in america you know we've got to pay a price for some of this stuff like charlottesville well maybe albemarle county for instance they don't want any dirty industry right well you know unfortunately america was built on dirty industry and we're going to have to have some of that and we and we control pollution better than anybody else we want it just not in your backyard mike exactly but you know unfortunately because of the way our laws are it we're not polluting the uh the environment the way the Chinese are or the way the Russians are 
And, you know, and we've done away with our nuclear industry. We ought to bring that back, too. But, you know, I'm getting too uh, preachy here. What if, what if you, if we, we should do this with Mike, John. We'll, we'll, we'll sacrifice him. What would, what would happen if you, uh, if we plunk Mike in the Oval Office and he said because of the trace elements, uh, the biggest TV that can be shown here is 21 inches and the biggest cell phone is going to be like a flip phone and that's it. Because the trace elements is so so polluting. They're all in China. We end up we, we have to actually we have some here that we ship to China to be processed, right, Mike? Uh, I mean, it's I mean, it, if we actually want to cut back on this stuff, w- people here wouldn't. They could care less if there's child labor as long as their cell phones are at the right price. I mean, it's crazy. As long as it's out of sight, out of mind. Uh, yeah, I just saw the latest recommendation by um, Jennifer Granholm is to rethink the whole American seedling fan industry and that the seedling fan industry has to be completely rejiggered in order to save the American consumer something like four cents a week in electricity to run these things (laughs) and yet yet the hit to the ceiling fan industry to achieve this is just going to put them out of business so we've we've got you know everything is bass backwards Americans I think can easily afford four cents a week to power a ceiling fan and it would be preferable to let them do that rather than destroy the ceiling fan industry which seems to be the real goal here. I can't believe there's any environmental impact no. we're worrying about. But we, we attack all this stuff from the wrong end all the time. Plus, does anybody really... I, I, one thing, you know, I don't know how many people... I'll take this as a shot at the male community. How many people, like, let their wife pay all the bills and don't look at them or the other way around? When was the last time anybody ever read their electric or gas bill? I do it just because I, I uh, talk about it on the show. Has anybody read it? I read it all the time because we have uh, solar panels up on the roof, and uh, I like to know how much we're selling back to the grid. Okay, and so you have a reason to, but I mean, once a year. But at yeah. some, but at some, but at some point, uh, Mike, you're going to end up. I mean, I don't. I'm not predicting this or hoping it for you. At some point, you're, you're not going to use. Well, it, you're not going to use any electricity, but it doesn't matter. Your hookup charge will be a hundred dollars a month. They're way. They're way ahead of you. Right. Uh, well, the cost of the solar was uh, very expensive, but you know the hookup cost. I don't know about the hookup cost. I don't know what you're talking about there, Tom. Well, I'm That's, saying in the, in the Illinois area now, they don't care if you use what you use. They've they've sort of gotten rid of the of the generation part. So your gas company, it's fifty nine dollars a month just to be hooked up if you never use it. Well, our distribution fees are about uh, the the minimum fee that I will pay is six dollars and fifty nine cents. So Illinois is cheating you, but oh yeah, we're up to fifty already. 50, we're, we're up to. I'm saying, come on, these guys these guys here are smart. <laughs> they they don't care. Plus, uh, didn't somebody was it uh, one of the states around here, John? Just just drop the amount of money they they pay you if you have solar to buy the stuff back. They dropped it by a factor of like one fifth or something. It's, it's yeah. like they just whatever they were giving you, Mike, to, to buy it back. They they cut it by like three quarters, just out of the blue. So well, there's got to be you know someone is represented with those utility companies, and you know they're kowtowing to the utility companies. So you ought to get someone else reelected. But you know who knows about how that goes. 
Well, the uh, can I tell just a little story here. I won't yeah. name the, the the town where my brother lives, but he had applied for a permit to have solar panels installed on his roof for the sole purpose of powering the uh, hot water heater, not in front of the you know the electrical system throughout the house, but just it's something dedicated to the hot water heater because he figured that was probably cost effective. And on the night that the village wanted the meeting whether to grant this permit or not, they had every big gun from every utility company, some of which don't even provide service to my brother's house, who reamed him for, for daring to do this. Yeah. And this, this is like chump change, you would think. Um, but it shows you know, the kind of hoops you have to jump through to do something that supposedly is good for the environment and supposedly it's worth you know, throwing cash at the Chinese to make it happen here. Um, but what a, what a Ridiculously mixed message. Well, if you, I mean, if you just how afraid they are of losing, you know, penny one on somebody's utility bill. Well, just something real simple because we got to go break. But uh, if if you two old dudes decide to have old, old Domer's public utility group, right, uh, <laughs> and, and you want to hire a lawyer to fight Commonwealth Edison, you two and I'd probably help. We got to pay our own attorneys. They get to deduct theirs, right? And, and oh, by the way, it becomes an expense. So they, it becomes even more uh, likely that they'll be able to raise rates because now you've given them this new expense. I mean, just the way the <laughs> <laughs> that's I mean they're, they're basically on a cost plus deal. Heck, Tom, I'll, I'll contribute driving the generator bike like Dan Aykroyd did on Saturday Night Live. I'll, I'll power old Domers, you know, oh, power unit for you. <laughs> I, we got Dash here to break. SP Futures up nine now, NASDAQ Futures up fifty one. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, 
or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. I did not know that. Well, in Rupex, Stacks and Jacks, I'm Tom Allen, Matt Burner, the Bordeski Futures now up 10. NASDAQ Futures up 52. Uh, gentlemen, what, what my, our friend here... Uh, Greg Pappas is doing is the worst thing you could ever do in radio. He did all this research now on these drugs, and he was telling me on break, well, you can't do that. So, Greg, what did you just find? Oh, no, we were talking that the APIs for the pharmaceuticals, so if you officially look up what the government says, they, they say that only 6% of pharmaceuticals are imported from China. But what you look as you dive in is that um, the APIs or the the inputs for the for these actual drugs, or the 370 that we were talking about, uh, that the WHO thinks is important, are at some point in China or manufactured um, through a Chinese company. So their their touch points are before the drugs are put together by um, international conglomerates or American companies. But the way that they touch them before are with these ingredients and uh, APIs. And they said that China's responsible for at least 12% of all foreign-sourced APIs. But uh, for antibiotics specifically, that's what um, the Congress people are talking about, where 36% of our antibiotics come directly from China. So of the total drugs, maybe 6% come from China, but the uh, antibiotics are about 36%. But in terms of the inputs, they've got about 70% of, of of ingredients at some point that go into our, our final drugs. I hope we don't curse Mr. Pappas here where the rest of his life he digs into the detail because all it does is screw you up. No, it, that's a valid point. It is. It, it, and, it, but, and then Congress will do nothing but talk about it. So nothing will ever happen, but, you know, that's my bias. Well, they'll, they'll get on TV. and get their Yeah, they get on TV and they say that we're completely completely dependent and then the FDA says no well 6% is is coming from China and then they get in a fight about somewhere between 6 and 70% because those numbers are talking about different things one is ingredients and the other is actual drugs so the drugs would be the finished product product versus the ingredients kind of similar to the limitations on solar and and uh, battery power because there's elements in other countries that are ingredients or necessary for building the batteries. So that's like saying you, you're building all the cars here, but the transmissions and engines are made somewhere else. Yes. Right, right exactly. The, uh, yeah. well, Figures lie and liars figure. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, but how do you, I mean, how, how is it, I mean, we, we like to talk about him this weekend. We're actually uh, talking about one of the ladies as we moved outside away from the band. I don't know if you heard that part, John. The band was a little yeah, out of this place. And, and one of the ladies, she's got her uh, summer or winter, well, she got a home down in Florida. She's there in the wintertime. 
and she's in this place called the uh, not the Meadows or some the, some kind of it's it's a resort that now all of a sudden is becoming almost like a city. It's big enough. Uh, I forgot the name of it, but she goes. It, the people down there are so Trumpers. She goes. It's scary. Everybody's got the bumper stickers and the. And she goes. There's people there that if the guy murdered six people today, it wouldn't matter. It's because it's because people weren't, weren't nice to him. That's why he killed. Them. She, they are so devoted. Because because I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> it's like, probably the villages. You're right. The villages. Villages. Oh yeah. What what is what's that all about? The villages. I mean, uh, well, well, it's, it's a just a, a big retirement community. So yeah. it's like Sun City of Florida. Yes. And re- I mean, cars, I think, I've never been there, but I know people whose parents have retired there, grandparents live there. But, um, you know, there's everybody just drives golf carts around the town. They don't use automobiles. So it's kind of a freewheeling, geriatric sort of scene. There's a bunch of those in Ogden Dunes. The big, uh, the big fight is, do you want electric or gas on the golf carts? And uh, it's so hilly that that sometimes if you don't have the thing charged up enough, you got a bunch of fat guys in there. I mean, it might not make it up the hill. you got to like pedal. <laughs> but also, they've had fires. People at the garages, a lot of those those batteries in those carts will flare up. I mean, if you, if you just, oh, yeah. I mean, it's... Ugh. But, um, I mean, I, what would, if you guys were... I mean, we talk about the economics. We try and pull out individual pieces. And, I, you know, I listen to the uh, the part I'm always attuned to is the is the Fed and all the stuff and. By the way, yet another year has gone by and none of us were in Jackson Hole. Just pointing out to you guys. <laughs> but yet they go to Jackson Hole every year and the national security community goes to Aspen every year. But th- they go in the off season, so I guess the rates are a little cheaper. I'm going to guess that... What do you suppose a martini costs in that bar? 25 I mean, we're, we're not paying... This is, this is not... I think just to go there, it's like going to Davos. It's like, you know... Here, Greg, you can look at what does it cost for some for a, a businessman to go to Jackson Hole? Jackson Hole? Yeah, for, for the big thing last week, the big uh, economic summit. Can you mm-hmm. even get in? I mean, obviously the Bill Gates of the world could be, get in if they want to. I would imagine. Anyway, but uh, I guess it would be pointless to publish the prices on the menu because nobody there cares. <laughs> oh no, you, I, we actually looked up. Uh, was it you, Greg? Somebody looked up Davos. One year, it's like, I don't know how many grand, but if you want a, like a lifetime membership to the group, it's like a quarter million bucks or some number. It's a big number. And, of course, you got to have a Gulfstream to fly in. If you flew in a Piper right. Cub, they'd throw you out. The ultimate country club. Oh, yeah, the ultimate. Yeah, I mean, you were talking about the, the movers and shakers, and we, we're we just not quite there yet. No. <laughs> the operative word no, being... Tom, I went to Davos one year, and it was during the conference. I wasn't at the conference, and that town is very pricey. Okay. Uh but you know we were there skiing and you know we had a good time but we sat outside at night and the beer got colder as the night went on uh so it, it that's what i remember about davos but you know they had that conference pretty well walled off and that was probably before 9-11 yeah i know uh, my buddy uh, john john dr j went to uh he was skiing kind of close to davos when it was going out he was telling everybody he was at davos i mean <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you wanted to, if you wanted to make the assumption that he was at the conference, wouldn't you just like to just have a couple of us just plant at the bar there and just for the three days, just whoever comes sits next to us, just talk to him? Can you imagine what you'd find out if you just were like? That would a, be a, interesting. If I'd like to, to know the security clearances for the bartenders. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah. What about us? You think we'd get in? I don't think Greg would get in. 
Well, John, it's in Switzerland, so everybody's secure there. So. <laughs> oh God, but the, the uh, so I guess the 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 gorilla in the room is the for a lot of the listeners is what what about the market? Uh, all this stuff wanders back and forth. Sometimes the market for, focuses on it. Sometimes it doesn't. We seem to not be concerned even in China about this Evergrande reopening. I mean, I'm kind of surprised it's reopening, but I guess, you know, if you have the stock at, you know, buck sixty, you can get out at twenty cents if you want, which is better than zero, I suppose. Or if you're if you think they're gonna somehow come back from this, I guess you can be a distressed buyer. Not so sure I'd, I'd want to do that, but you know, who knows? I mean they could come out of now will they come out of whatever bankruptcy court they're in? Are these shareholders toast? Do the uh uh do the people who uh on the bonds, is there going to be a new a new layer of stock? Are they going to be the only people to get the new layer of stock? I mean, these bankruptcies can be really a, a toss-up. I mean, clearly, if you were, uh, and, and you know, kind of nobody even remembers this, but um, what, what if you what if you guys were in, were in my business, you know, ten years ago, and somebody showed up with a portfolio that had General Motors, Kmart, Sears, Bear Stearns, Lehman Brothers, you know, and maybe five other stocks in there? You'd say. What's wrong with that? Or United Airlines? What's wrong with that one? Because everything looks fine. And yet, how many of those stacks are out of business? And, t- and people, have, you know, it's still, everybody thinks there's no risk in markets. I mean, clearly there are. But sometimes in the uh, the bankruptcy court, the the current shareholders at least get something. And maybe you can actually make some money coming back. Other times, the bondholders get a whole new share of stack because the bondholders get a share at the table. Uh, sometimes, depending on the judge. So, I mean, it's a total crapshoot, but I guess my question is, why would anybody, uh, Jan, you're our attorney, why would anybody want to be buying Evergrande today at 22 cents? I mean, I have no idea what a foreign court, do you think the shareholders come out with anything? I, I can't imagine, Tom. You know, something I just recently, I, I think, read anywhere, but if you think about, you know, Evergrande is one thing that's clearly gone, you know, is to- toast. And it's taken a lot of investors and a lot of home buyers with it. But in China, if you, you want to buy your first house, uh, you know, just as a, an average worker, or you, you 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 need a forty percent down payment. And this is before maybe the thing has even been built. But a forty percent down payment, if you're buying a second house, that can be sixteen to eighty percent. So think of where the the risk in these real estate ventures really is is put. It's on these. The home buyers, you know, I mean, could you imagine in this country how what the real estate market would look like if you had to have a forty percent down payment for for your first house? I think the price would be a little lower. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, and you and but you see a lot fewer people, I think, you know, or having to delay something maybe for, for their entire lives to get enough cash together. But think of how many of those people Evergrande has taken down, and you know, and they'll never see penny one out of their investment, and, and it's kind of like. Um, the, the real hurt here is on the people who were buying houses on spec or apartments or whatever else and will never see any of that money again. Um, that's got to have an unbelievable effect on the Chinese economy when it comes to their consumer patterns and their, their long-term prosperity. I just I see this as something they can't get out of. Well, the people who uh, bought or committed or whatever you want to call it to these condos and so forth in these ghost cities you see a picture of one every once in a while when it sneaks out of there. And the, the places are all done. Why, why can't we just move in? Are they, are they not completed? 
they're not completed. You know, I don't know if they if they have you know working infrastructure. If there's the interiors are finished, um, it, it's it looks to me like they have you know stalled at some point. In some cases, way before it, these things could be occupied, um, and there's no evidence of you know traffic, no people, no nothing going on around there. So if you if, you, if, you, if you snuck your way in somehow in the dead of night, you got into your apartment. What there'd be no water, there'd be no heat, there'd be no. It might not even be an elevator. Well, it might not even be an mm-hmm. elevator. I, I can't. Well, the uh, we had a, a dude he's come on the, the show uh, a long time ago, and I don't. Know, so why Doesn't look like you can get into this conference. I can't get in. This no, is, the KC is. Fed would have to invite you. You have to. It's. I don't even know if there's. Yeah, it's. <laughs> well, we used to we used to drink with all the guys from the Chicago Fed until they all worked from home. Right. About a thousand, or no, what is it? There's 11,000 people in the town, and they invite 130 or so economists, and they speak for two days. Looks like it's been going on since 82, but there's there's nothing about, you, it always says Kansas City Fed. You've got to talk to them in order to get an invite. Um, so if you have 130 economists, what would you call those guys? A school of economists? Like a school of carp or what? Like a murder of crows. Yeah. What would it be? Would you think it would be a... They used to call a... In, in the trading floor... Worthless, it, that's what I call it. A trading floor, if you <laughs> if you, if you you cut a market, they called it a carp to market. So if there were two or three guys carp to market, it was known as a, a school of carp. They're the privileged elite. Ah. In that they provide very little and <laughs> get to <laughs> hang out in Rockefeller's <laughs> old estate. Um, there you go. I, uh, well, what's uh, the election coming up? It, it seems like we're getting closer and closer. Uh, what is is there some kind of a thing with the Republican Party about not pushing a, a lady? I thought uh, Nikki Haley was the smartest person on the on the thing last week at the debate. Of course, it's probably already forgotten. They, they, there's no way the Republicans are going to have a, a lady president, uh, presidential candidate. Are you talking well, about we'll the see. vice presidential yeah. debate? No, no, the the presidential one last. Well, the Republican nominee debate or whatever it right, was. Right, the vice presidential debate. Yeah, I don't think. How much a, money did Trump raise last week? Like seven mil or something. Way more right. than that. Well, this morning I heard coming in was they said seven. Cent. Way more. That was probably like the no, first not, couple seven, hours. Seven seven cents the uh, surrender. I know. Once that those shirts came out, it was oh god. Well, well he he just continues to run so that he can make money but uh you know that's uh i and tom i agree with you nikki haley was the best you know pence is just a uh, unfortunately is a he talks like a retired minister you know he uh some of the other guys were okay but uh i just nikki haley was by far the best what though when you start talking about i mean kevin's uh uh complaint was that when a governor says something good happens in a state and it was all on him, he immediately doesn't like the guy. Because obviously you couldn't, you couldn't do anything yourself. Uh, well, that's like Obama. I did this, oh, I yeah, did well, that. You know, it's, his whole administration did something, not just him. Uh, yeah, you would think so. But when guys start talking about what incredible progress they made in Arkansas, I'm, I'm, I know this is being pompous, but it's still Arkansas. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I, I know that's harsh. Seeing as now, Illinois, Tom, uh, see, Chicago's a third world. Well, that's city, right. I mean, so, yeah, so I'm saying, coming from Illinois, that's kind of tough to say. But yeah, uh, right. Uh, 
yeah, it's what I just having all this stuff corralled together. I mean, all all the different topics we're talking about. We have all kinds of unemployment problems in, in the city, or even though these guys keep talking about how these rates are are low, everywhere you look, there's people out of work. I mean, they're hanging in the streets. They're not being counted, obviously, and they're younger here in Chicago than they've ever been. Would you agree, John? Your, your average homeless oh, yeah. person. And so, so the, I was asking Mike earlier, is the military other than just plain old enlisting? If you're older, are there job opportunities there? Is there? But I don't know of any kind of army or navy installation here in this area. So I don't I mean in Chicago, it's just Illinois. Other than other than uh, what's the one up the naval place? Do we yeah, you've got Great Lakes, that's the it. naval center. We used to have a bunch yeah. more. But they're all closed. So and then you have uh, Scott Air Force Base. I think that's in Illinois. I'm not sure. We're, we're, because they closed Rantoul, they closed Great Lake. I mean, uh, well, what's the one up on where the golf course is now in the old condos? Uh, Port Sheridan. Uh, no, the uh, well, Port Sheridan is a reserve installation. That's still active, I think. Where do they used to do the uh, the air show? People from uh, Glen uh, Glenview. Glenview. Uh, Glenview Air. That's that's closed. Rantoul's closed. But you know, a lot of that stuff, I mean, I don't even think there are a whole lot of... Um, there's a few reserve units here, I think. Uh, there's one down in Fort City. But, I mean, the, the, the military is not right now uh, a uh, hiring potential for anybody around. I'm just trying to figure out where... Who's ever, everybody get hired by? I mean, because we need a lot of jobs. We need, we need people... Well, to but do those people want to work, Tom? That's the issue. I, I would wager that most homeless people do not want to work um, our buddy Dr. Blade says that the if you're out, if you're out on like the street or something like that, he was on one day I want to ask him the same, the same question he's talking about Mike, what percentage of those guys, those guys and women uh, even if they start out if, how long can you be homeless with maybe some drugs in or getting in there after a period of time how many of those guys could go work an eight-hour day tomorrow? And, and Dr. Mark said, uh, very few. He said, he said, but after a month of some kind of rehab, you can get there. You can start. You can. It, it, it's a lot of work to get somebody, because the degradation is pretty rapid, according to him. Uh, you know, you, you lose your job, you get thrown out of your house. The first day, we're homeless. We'd love to have a job the next day. But as right. time goes by, there's a degradation. Uh did you? There was a uh, article about uh, the Pope. I mean, this guy. I mean, I don't, I don't know how long he's going to last, but he has a lot of interesting stuff that he he makes. I read this thing. He makes all of his cardinals have have breakfast or lunch with a homeless person at least once a week, and nobody'd show up. And they found out after digging. He said, "Welcome, nobody's showing up." But they did some digging, and they found out that. None of these guys want to meet with anybody because they don't have any clothes and they all stink. So they ended up uh, having some kind of a facility where before you had breakfast or lunch, you could actually shower up, get a new set of clothes, and now they now they meet with people every week. That it's it's so degrading that if you the simple stuff you you have to bring all the simple stuff back in before people even look like they can feel like they can show up for an interview. I mean, when you think about it, you, you can't go if you're not healthy. You can't go if you're not showered up. You can't go if you don't have decent clothes on. I mean, right? 
I mean, you, you wonder which one's first. If you're, if you're a substance abuser, too, Tom, yeah. which is, is the big elephant sitting in the living room with the homeless issue. I mean, they, it, it's so caught up with it that you can't cure the homeless problem until you first, you know, cure the addiction problem. And that, that's lost in the shuffle, certainly lost in the shuffle in Chicago. It never gets identified as something that can be attacked separately from homelessness. And as a result, nothing's getting done, and the homeless community just keeps growing. Well, if I'm sleeping on a pavement, I might need a little something-something to get to sleep. Yeah. Well, you know, they a lot of those guys would rather, well, supposedly they'd rather sleep in their tents on the street than go to a hotel because then they're, they're, there's some sort of monitoring of them. So they they like the unmonitored act, aspect of living on the streets. Well, I, I think what what needs to happen, and I don't know how you even do this, it sounds like we're doing something out of Nazi Germany, but you need to kind of show up with, I won't say a bus, but uh, something where you there's 50 people underneath the bridge. Okay, you, you gather up all 50. Now, you can't incarcerate anybody, but I'm saying you need to almost figure out where everybody is. And you might find out that three or four people could actually do something the next day. You might find out that 10 people are a week away. You might. I, I don't even think we know. Do you? No. Well, but then, no, but then you no have to house group. them and feed them and retrain them. And what community is willing to do that? Well, I, I, at some point, as you know, unfortunately, both of you dudes and, and Greg, I, I get, I get somewhere w- with with the numbers. I just, I wonder if it almost isn't cheaper. At least on a on a, on a, on a pilot program, it might not be. It might actually be cheaper in the long run to do it right. I mean, what if what if you did what I'm just talking about? Assess everybody, figure out the people that are so you're going to find a few people probably that are so drug drug down the road that you can't even help them. I mean, uh, I don't know what you do with them. I mean, I'm not I'm not a doctor, but but they might find that the people that are uh, not that far gone. But it's a horrible thing to say that you actually could get them. You know, I almost don't care if there's a cost to having people doing nothing and. They deliver checks to a lot of these people underneath underneath the bridges. I think if you're on welfare. Uh, well, and the other thing is the, and it's really the elephant in the room is, you know, we have cut back on our mental health facilities so much. I mean, is there any psychiatric hospital left in the United States? You know, I have uh, no idea. Well, they just sold Tinley Park, but allegedly. The current mayor wants to open a few of the ones that Ram closed. I don't know what's where's that at, John. Where, where's the status of that? Well, there was, there was the Reed one out of the old Dunning Hospital, um, out on you know Forest Preserve Avenue, going towards Harlem, Harlem and Irving, pretty much, which I think is closed now. It, I think it was being run out of Oak Park Hospital or something, but it was a psychiatric facility, and it had been like an indigent hospital, the Chicago State Hospital, for you know a hundred years before that. But I don't. I can't think of any. And there were. I mean, there were hospitals devoted to, you know, alcoholics and yeah. you know, all these targeted populations um, that were run as charitable institutions and, and founded with that purpose in mind. And they're gone. Yeah. See, until society is willing to pay that price for you know, unfortunately, mentally uh, disabled people, you know, we're not going to make much progress on the homeless situation. I'm, I'm, I'm contending, though, Mike, and I, you're probably right, but I think we should we should grab. How's this sound? Pretty awful. 
let's grab one bridge, have a pilot program, and let's let's try it my way. See see how we do at the end of six months. Even if everybody, if twenty people descend on a park every morning, and pick up papers if they happen to be there, or or weed the place, or plant something. Even if we make work, for lack of a better term, I'd rather do that than give somebody a check for staying under the bridge. No, I agree with you, Tom. But we, you know, we need a, like a uh, just what you're saying. We need a, a new deal for the homeless. And whether and I don't know of any politician that's has enough foresight to try to tackle that problem. But Although San Francisco is probably getting close to needing to do something since it's really hit them hard. See, I, I think instead of, I'm, I'm kind of a, well, like my brother says, it makes me a, a decent trader for people. If it looks like the thing to do, I don't have a problem doing it or trying it. And I, and I know that a lot of the spreads that I put on aren't going to be winners, but maybe I can massage the losers into break even and do something. You, you can't be afraid to try something like this. I mean, it, I mean, you know, at some point you got to get out of your bureaucratic shell, and you got to like do something. And, and you know what? And, and if it doesn't, if it doesn't work out the way you want, as my grandfather used to say, those who try and fail are way better than people who never tried at all. I mean, I, I don't, we need some of that attitude, and I don't see it I mean, anywhere. Do you? No, I uh, do not. I remember all the all the SROs in Chicago, the single room occupancy hotels. Yeah, they were sprinkled all and really all throughout the city. And these were people who had the security of a room with a key, uh, you know, to keep whatever belongings they had. There were a lot of them were, were down and out and had, you know, fallen off the, the bandwagon for job growth and whatever. They were living marginal existence, but they, you didn't have the substance abuse problems then, back in the fifties and sixties, that we have now. Uh, the mental illness, you know, or the, the violence. The kind of you know it's in the homeless community too, but I don't think you could have an SRO system now and not have it being you know beset by gun violence oh, yeah. and arson and everything. I just don't see that kind of model. And that was the safety valve for the people who really had bottomed out. But but the stakes now of bottoming out are so much worse and harder to combat that I just don't see. You don't want to warehouse these people indoors, which seems to be. You know, when, when people are throwing money at the homeless problem, it's about shelter life or whatever else. And I just don't see that kind of model having any effect, any good effect. And it probably just compounds all the issues. So it, it's got to be something more like a settlement house, you know, idea that Jane Addams had. And it, that's, it's so far gone for even that. I don't see any existing models you could build on. Well, real quick uh, story. I got to, next time Mike's on, I get a bunch of crap about, about this. But just because of his service career there was this there was this guy who worked for the cboe in the oex pit uh oh he's called weird herald that was not very nice but he was a little out there and uh he, he worked for the CBO. but all the only thing they were if you traded with the book a lot of times if you did a 200 lot or something they'd have a bunch of people that you traded with you needed everybody's house right you needed the, the you needed who you traded with so there was a, a ticket that would come out and say you did 10 with Merrill Lynch, you did 15 with Smith Barney. Out of the 200, you did. Well, Harold's job was because he knew everybody in the pit. He'd walk out and hand you the ticket, but they never let him like near a trade, right? So Harold lived in one of those places on LaSalle. Uh, I think it was on LaSalle Street. Yeah, there were a couple on LaSalle Street. Remember the place that went that burned down? Yeah. Well, that that was Harold's. The 80s, yeah. yeah, that was Harold's spot. So he comes into work and he's got like nothing. All his he wasn't there when it when it burned down. All his clothes, everything's gone. 
So, of course, one of the guys in the book said, hey, Harold was in that building last night. So there was like 250 people in the pit. He goes, how, everybody, how about everybody poning up a saw buck? We'll come around with a bag. So we're going to pit, picked in, pitched in 10 bucks, and Harold was out and go out and buy a new wardrobe. So he had 2,500 bucks. He, somebody took him to the store and bought him pants and shirts and everything. And uh, he was, but Mike, next time you're on, I got to give you grief because he went to this thing. I, I don't know, back, you know, when he didn't have cell phones, he showed me these pictures. He went to a Soldier of Fortune convention out in Vegas with all the military, military types. Right. It was the funniest pictures I ever saw. There's a picture of this wacky guy with like G. Gordon Liddy. <laughs> I was like, these guys are all speaking out. And they ended up, if he, they let, they were selling like mortars and stuff and machine guns. So the, the Las Vegas Fire Department said, okay, here's what we'll do. They bought a couple of old junky cars and brought them out into the desert. And they let these guys lob mortars and stuff. Yeah, and then they fired them up, right. They fired them all up, and then the, the fire department <laughs> practiced up, uh, you know, putting the thing out. The place was crawling with good-looking women. <laughs> what, 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 it's, the pictures are, there's three and four good-looking babes around like Weird Harold. And I'm going, he showed me. It's like, like the era of chivalry yeah, all over again. Like, anyway, uh, you, you don't still get Soldier of Fortune, do you, Mike? No, Tom, I, ne- <laughs> and I never did. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you know what? It was, it was it was funnier than hell to read. He used to bring it up in the pit when it was quiet. We'd all read the Soldier of Fortune. Anyway, <laughs> the good old days. Mike, thank you. Johnny, you stick around a bit for Nancy? Sure. I'm here. We're talking oh, you're here. Head. we got to go to all break right, here John, real quick. SP Futures up 19. Nancy Futures 85. We're trying to get back. Uh, yesterday's bad day. Maybe we will. We'll be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with their choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. 
And I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tim Al. Matt Byrne on the board. I was just reading about you, Matt. Some guy, uh, twenty-five-year-old, right? tried twenty-three side hustles before launching his company. Yeah. Here's his advice. He was driving a Tesla in high school, but then that company went under. 23 side hustles. What are you up to? Mm. I'm only down to about two or three. Oh, and, and my Tesla's in the shop right now. Yeah, I hate it when my Tesla's <laughs> in the shop. <laughs> S&P futures are up 20, almost 21, 2075. NASDAQ futures 92. We've been creeping up all morning here. Dow futures up 135. Uh, we seem to have a positive response to the chairman's speech on Friday, both on Friday and today. Uh, Nikkei up 545, that's 1.7%. Hang Seng up 174, uh, that's almost a full 1%. Shanghai up 34, that's over 1%, 1.1. It's interesting as Evergrande uh, started trading today and it's down uh, 87%, but I guess it's not zero, so I don't know if that's positive or what. But uh, anyway, it doesn't seem to be affecting anything. Uh, DAX up 112.7, FTSE up 5, call that flat. Kakaron up 69, that's a full 1%. So you're buoyant, buoyant as well. Uh, Friday, Dow was up 247, S&P up 29, NASDAQ up 126. S&P was the, uh, you know, it's a big move, but it's because Thursday was a horrible day. So we got back, now maybe half the mail we'll get the rest today. We'll see. Uh, bonds, uh, 10 years down 3 basis points, 4.21. The bond unchanged, 2.55. Japan unchanged, 0.67. Oil, up 11 cents, but now we're back under 80, but barely, 79.94. Brent uh, down 4 cents, 84.44. Natural gas, up 12 cents, 266. Arbob down 4 cents, 283. Uh, so kind of quiet in the oil patch. Gold up 260, and then back in the mid 1900s, 1942. Silver down 3 cents, 2420. It was below 23, so it's back up kind of in the middle part of the range. We'll see if it makes a run towards 25 again and it gets slapped back like it usually does. Copper unchanged, 376. We have Bitcoin up 24 bucks, 26,146. So really is not got back any of the thousand uh, dollars it lost the week before it just got a new level it's just sticking here uh u.s dollar uh down just a hair with the pound uh up to uh uh 125.8 and the euro at 1080 uh man what do you got for us traffic weather sports yeah good morning currently uh 738 a.m on august 28th 2023 uh, the weather in chicago currently 61 degrees a high of 78 today mostly sunny skies throughout the day as far as the work week forecast, tomorrow scattered thunderstorms and lower 80s. Wednesday through Friday, clear skies with temperatures in the upper 70s into the lower 80s by Friday. 
Down in Phoenix, Arizona, clear skies, 93 degrees currently, a high of 113 degrees. In the MLB yesterday, Cubs won against Pirates, 10-1. And White Sox won as well, 6-1 against Oakland Athletics. Tonight, Cubs play Brewers at Wrigley. Game starts at 7.05 p.m. And White Sox away at Orioles. Catch that tonight at 6.05. The NFL preseason still in progress. Saturday, Bears lost to Bills, 21-24. And finally, in golf, PGA Tour Championship wrapped up yesterday in Atlanta, Georgia, with the FedEx Cup. Top player was once again Victor Hovland of Norway, who you may remember won the BMW tournament last week. Uh, with a total score of negative 27 and total earnings of $18 million, Hovland is the third youngest FedEx Cup champion in history. So for now, Chief, back who, who, to you. Who uh, won the Little League World Series? Little League, I will check into that. Yeah, the uh, Nance, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing good. Did you, uh, was this kid your nephew? The He won uh, Saturday night. California ended up winning the U.S. portion. They were playing somebody else uh, last night. I don't know if they won the <laughs> one kid he pitched Five and a third innings, John, and, and, and knocked in five RBIs. Talk about a man among boys, eh? There's a star. Yeah. yeah. Now, but then you can't pitch the next day, I think, in Little League. Uh, I recall from my pitching days. So I wonder if they had another word like him to, to win last night. I'm guessing no. But yeah, according to Yahoo Sports, uh, it was uh, California's El Segundo yeah. team. Who, who ended up uh, – they had to play somebody – out of the U.S., I thought, last night in the yeah, big-time championship. Uh, Curaco. Curaco? Curacao. Curacao, okay. Who won that one? Uh, uh, El Segundo won. Oh, the California won, won. Wow. That's right. Yeah, according to uh, yeah, according to Yahoo Sports. Well, good for them. For them. Because uh, the U.S. teams haven't been doing so hot. They lost to Cuba a couple times, right, the last mm. 10 years? Well, the one guy looked like he was 30 years old. So <laughs> that, was a, that was an issue. That's a little suspicious. So, Nance, how are you? Good. Everything, everything how was your good? weekend, guys? Was well, good, huh? good. We were down in Ogden Dunes, uh, your friend and me. I Our, know. I heard. Yeah, it was a. Uh, we had to drive all the way to Michigan City for lunch. Uh, interesting, but it was fun. Uh, you know, it's it. We, there's a place out on uh, right on the water, and we get there, and uh, this is like you know Sunday afternoon. And these guys have nice. It was the most beautiful day ever yesterday. If anybody was in Chicago. 73 degrees and bright sun, and we don't get any better than that. And uh, they had all these tables empty and uh, 20-minute wait because they only had a couple servers. And I think a lot of places are just having trouble, uh, you know, keeping keeping client uh, keeping people. Or maybe I agree. Or maybe you know maybe it's only two or three days a week the places are are busy and nobody wants to work only two days two or three days a week. Something's something something's not it's kind of crazy. But hey. Uh, a lot of real estate people in the group, as you know, Audrey knows people like that. Uh, question came up, Nance, we've talked for weeks now, you and I and Jan, about what if somebody has got, you know, the good mortgage and the the last one or two or three year house and all of a sudden for some reason is is forced to sell or maybe downsize or do something. What? How bad or what, before I even, uh, the, uh, how much... Uh, what, what is the process? How, let's say, just for round numbers, we're not talking about everybody's got one of these things. Let's say somebody bought a million dollar shack, just to keep the numbers round. Uh, two years ago, you got them a mortgage at where would they have been two years ago? Three point three and a half, maybe oh, three point eight. Three, three and a half, yeah. All right, somewhere between two and a half and four. Okay, so depending on credit, let's pick a number. Let's say three and a quarter, and uh, now all of a sudden, somebody's transferred. Somebody does something. Some issue. And they have to downsize, 
and maybe first of all, if they sell the sell the place at the same mill, what can they buy for the same mortgage, and how big of a problem is all that? And and, and it, it seems like it's it's like the wor- it's like you're somebody's worst nightmare, isn't it? Well, I just had a client that I did about a year ago had a townhome, um, first baby. They were thrilled out of their heads, right? And he just got um, took a job in Michigan. So, it you know, you think to yourself, oh, my God, I hope they get what they paid, right? And then I hope that they can do this. But they just um, are renting right now. And that's what a couple other people that I know are doing. They're just renting. Renting, until they renting in Michigan and, and renting in this place or, or what? Rent and in other words, they sold their house. They did sell it. They sold it for, you know, more than what they paid for it. So that's good news. But when they moved to Michigan, they just decided to rent because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what the housing market's doing. You know, yada yada yada. And um, can't blame them for that. Right. Um. Uh. So it seems like people are just very being very cautious because they they don't know where it's going um i've got another couple that uh they have they have the mom's gonna sell her property um these people are gonna and they want to find something with a mother-in-law quarter and so they've been looking for months and then they came across something last weekend so got the call and um just for them to you know, get a mortgage with like five percent down until they can get these other properties sold. Um, their payment was going to be with taxes, insurance, and all that, maybe like around five thousand a month. That's and they that. probably, yeah, it is. It's it's a ton of money, and um, he he told me they were going to do this, yada yada yada, and then found out. Well, he said, God, he said, I I said, he said, how long do you, how much do you think I'll have in costs? When I'm all done, I said, I would say you're going to be there six or seven months because his mother-in-law hasn't moved out uh, anything since she's been there. And, like, she has her, um, uh, what did he tell me, like, uh, she sews and she has her patterns from, like, when she was five or six years old. So, I mean, we got a lot of cleaning out to do, right? Oh, yeah. And um, so I said, I don't know, let's say five, six months you're doing that. And... Get you then you got to get the place cleaned up and sold and um, and they're going to have enough money to pay off the mortgage. But how do you, you know? So I'm saying five, let's say six, 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 seven months. Okay, by the time you get that done, move, get the other one sold. And um, he said, I said, so figure thirty-five to fifty thousand just to be safe. They didn't do it. And he said, I just, I can't believe the rates. He goes, I, I just, I just can't believe the rates. So I said, well, how much are car loans? And he said, if you have perfect, everything is perfect, perfect credit, perfect enough, you know, da, 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 or 6.99. And I said, I'm offering you seven. And a third of your fixed. Yeah. Well, what and the- he was, you know, shocked. So, I mean, people are just not prepared for what's coming. I don't know how else to say it. I don't, I mean, the whole uh, fabric, I mean, uh, you look at, I mean, people get tired of me talking about inflation and stuff, but the whole, it's, it's, the whole fabric of society, of our society, is 
what we knew as society is changing. I, there were people at well, Pullman that would transfer cities every two, three years to go from one plant to another plant, say three years. A lot of companies did that for people, right? They wanted them to learn all parts of the, of the, of the business. I don't see how, how in God's name somebody, I mean, right now, but in those days, John, you confirm this, is that you always went to another place, and, and you and the wifey or Nancy and the hubby, you, you went and bought a house in the new place for three years. And then you went somewhere else, you sold that place. The, 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 the cost of selling the place, because they weren't over as high, the prices weren't as high, and you didn't have a lot of people up in the transfer tax stuff and that kind of things, a lot of communities, to make it even harder and harder, uh, or more expensive and more expensive, I'll put it that way. I mean, the, the, the cost of the trade is, is sometimes pretty dramatic, even if you get somebody like Nancy who knocks the mortgage stuff way down. Some people absolutely rape you over the coals for your mortgage stuff, right? You need appraisals. So, I mean, I, I think we're reaching a point where if you're going somewhere for three years, I don't see how the hell you're – certainly two years, you're not buying. But you couldn't tell a family 20 years ago that they're going to sell their house to go someplace and rent for two or three years. Everybody wanted their house, and that's what they – I don't right. see how I don't see how that's economic at all anymore to you, Nancy. Even though you're in a business. No, no, I went to. Um, I mean, I'm a product of what you just described. I went to eight different grade schools. Wow, that's, that's a that's a lot. Were you? Were you that, that's a lot. Were you that ill-behaved? You were that ill-behaved. No, I went. That's just because Dad transferred oh. every year. <laughs> I thought you got kicked out of. <laughs> I'm just no, <laughs> no. Every year we moved in June and. You spent the summer by yourself. You couldn't wait to get to school, to be hated, harassed, picked on. I mean, by Christmas, somebody, you might have had a friend, and by May, they're all crying, you're leaving, and you're like, this oh, yeah. is nuts. And <laughs> then we do it again. reunions. You have to choose from this. <laughs> oh, my God. Was it any, was it any yeah, different? Why were, why, were you, why were you guys moving so much? He got transferred, just like you said. Oh, okay. But, it, you know, it's, it's weird to the people who, the Army people, the kids never seem to have that problem because everybody in the classes knew everywhere you go. Right, and that just wasn't true everywhere we went. But I mean, that's a lot of um, that's a lot of transfers, and it's very and I, it's extremely hard for the kids. I mean, you never really have true friends. You don't really have any great memories because all summer long, all you're doing is unpacking and you're doing the same thing every year. It's just it was just wow. really not good. But the bottom line is. Um, the um, one house he bought in he went by himself and he bought a house in Kansas and um, we went in to clean it when we got there and stuff like that and um, my brother's jobs were to um, open the top of the stove and open the up you know the oven door and my job was to swat all the cockroaches that came out um, wow with a broom it was really bad. What kind of broom did you use for that? Was that a special kind of broom? No, I mean, it's all we had. We were from Chicago. I've never seen bugs like that before. Oh, yeah. They tip their head at you once they're going by when you're swatting them. They oh, don't really care. The idea, I mean, you know, in the, in the every, you know, I grew up in the in the bungalow kind of belt. Is it the idea of of you know the the fifties and sixties mom? The idea of a bug being in your house. I mean, it would have to be like somebody else's bug. It was never your bug. I, don't, I mean, I never even saw a cockroach until I, I you know, saw people in apartments downtown. I, mean, I can't imagine one living in my mother's house. The, 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 yeah. the house slipper would come off and that guy would be dead in a second. 
Yeah. Well, then we then after that they um we never did move in that house. My mother just refused. So oh, I, I don't blame her. God. Yeah, and then they um we rented after that. Like you're saying, then we switched to renting because he had to, my dad was at work. My mother didn't drive, so I mean we're calling cabs and ordering, you know, people to come out and look at this and the furniture's coming. And of course, you know, it's nothing but a mess. So, um, but I mean to get back to the subject. The, the people don't it's not a good environment right now and you know they're saying there's no um, what is it the cost of living uh, what are they going to give the seniors yeah. 30% 2.9% or yeah, something yeah, and I mean to me it's outrageous we yeah. should be at another 8.9 I mean come on well the, the perception of inflation that you hear about on TV you think you're in a different world and uh, I mean, yeah. cl- clearly, there's 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 the message that people want to give people. And there's an article here on uh, uh, CNBC this morning about how the unions are demanding these double-digit pay increases. Well, duh! <laughs> In the last four years, prices got to be up 35 percent across the board. Why wouldn't you <laughs> demand a double-digit rate increase? And still, if I do the math, you're losing, right? I mean, uh, right, right. But what? I mean, how does how does somebody? If you just if you bought a place, say you bought a place. You know, a year and a half ago, for eight hundred grand, and and uh, the wife gets laid off, and uh, you say, "Well, the smartest thing I can do, I don't really need this huge house now. That we only have one income. Um, I'll sell it and downsize." What do you have to downsize to to get to a? I mean, eight hundred grand is a nice house, but if if I just did the math, what do I have to do? sell it at eight hundred, assuming I can get it, or a million, or whatever it is I paid for it? What am I going to do? Find a place for? For four fifty and have the same mortgage. Yeah, well, that's the pro- that's the problem, don't you think, John? I mean, that that's, that is yeah. the question of the week now. Well, so what am I? Well, Tom, just- you, know, you you were talking about how you know it used to be something you could do fairly regularly over a couple of years and not like lose your shirt or your mind in the process. But it used to be too that you know the the industry was quite unregulated. The paper very, you know, bare bones. My parents never used an attorney, nor did the seller on the other side, or whoever the buyer the seller on the other side used an attorney. Uh, the real estate broker prepared documents, the savings and loans, you know, acted pretty much as a escrowee, even when they weren't, you know, being paid to do that. But it was a very simple process, so people didn't shy away from, you know, selling every couple of years, and, you know, now, I mean, the, the Bar associations have, you know, forced people to pretty much have attorneys. The paperwork has exploded, and you know, the idea of, of having to sell, even if you're, you're making a good deal, you know, when it comes to the sales price, you know, you know and a mortgage rate and anything else, you still get all these other attendant costs and hassles that are really a drag on, on people's energy level. So, um, right. I think it's become a lot harder to buy and sell. Right. And my parents, in this example that I gave you, we moved every year um, after they, you know, passed away, and I went through all the stuff. I actually found the 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 what they bought and sold for. Okay, it was all in this folder that I put together. And when you added up everything they did through their time they bought their first house to their last, they did make money if you added them all up. But with these one year shots. They did not make money. They lost. 
They lost every time in every year. So what they were doing, repeating it, I have no idea. Well, did they have? Uh, when did it happen that the the companies would uh, would would buy your house at market value so you could just go? And it, now that's that's all by the that's gone by kind of the way of the dodo bird now too, right? Companies don't do that for people, or do they? I some do, some don't. In his case, they did not. They did not. So I mean, they lost, but and that was my you know. Our, that was one of my mother's big complaints. I said, you did not lose money overall. So I said, I looked it up, went through the paperwork, and I don't want to hear about it anymore. Because she kept saying how dumb it was that they moved every year. But that's how he moved up. Like you're saying, you learn something else, and then you moved on, right? Well, it'll be pretty tough during the, I'm going to say, late 50s to 70. Um, unless, depending on, you, you could lose money year over year in a house, but if you kept, if you hung on to it for, Two or three years. I don't see how you, you almost couldn't have. Well, you're not gonna make well, much. Well, it, it was only nine months. I mean, yeah, well, it was, yeah. yeah, it was really, really a year. I mean, that was it. But the uh, but what you're this is the part that you know I um, was listening to somebody last week tell me, what do you mean inflation's coming way down? I said it's it's the fabric has changed. I mean, you get uh, with the guy, the mayor, new mayor of Chicago, wanting to increase the transfer taxes. You're, you're you're freezing people. We're at a level now. I don't. I don't care if inflation for the next three years is zero. I'd like it to be zero rather than three or four. It doesn't matter. Right now, most of America will never be able to afford a new car, ever. And I'm, I'm looking for a. You know, my truck's getting long in the tooth. I've been looking for trucks for a while. Plus, I like looking. And I mean, I mean, I look at one of them. There'll be a. Where are we? Twenty 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 three. Some guy's trying to sell me a twenty twenty one with thirty thousand miles on it for seventy grand, and I'm like, what? What, what, a truck for seven? What, what is the man? It, it, it's, it's not even new. I mean, I, no. I mean, I mean, I, I don't see how the guys that come come work on my place or something, or anybody in, in, a, in a home, uh, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a bungalow in Mount Green would pay seventy grand for a truck unless the, their dad just died and left them a fortune. I mean, we're not. What percentage? I mean, these houses, the, the, just like you say, that's the, the cost of getting in there, the taxes, the insurance. How, how do you buy a house in Florida with insurance right now? I mean, I, I, people do. Are they just absolutely? Yeah, they, are they just dirt poor just, and everything else? People just live for today. I mean, and they don't let all this stuff bother them. But what if? That's what, all. But that's that's. I'm going to say, it's a little harsh when I say live for today. Uh, we're talking about a, a, a country, a population that always thinks, even today. That next year is going to be better, right? And I know when my my stepfather, my mother bought the bungalow on 102nd place. I think the number was 18.5, something like that. This is 1959-ish, 58-ish, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm going to say they put the 20% down. Of course, my mom, even being a widow, would save some money. My stepfather, being the normal male, uh, even though he had a nice job, didn't save anything. So, but anyway, they they made the down payment, but he advanced pretty rapidly then he went to graduate school uh later but by the time i'm going to say four years into the deal the mortgage wasn't even was two-thirds of one of his paychecks you know because he probably got a five percent raise every every year and you know but what's the mortgage on an eighteen thousand dollar house for god's sake uh not very much and uh so every year you could you could do stuff like that because you really you really felt in your heart of hearts the next year will be better in two or three years from now. It's not going to be a problem, right? Uh, how does? But how does? 
we don't really want our young people or even our older people to ever not feel that way, Nance, and yet the handwriting's on the wall. It's, I mean, how, do you, how do you tell people, don't ever think that next year is going to be better and that totally screw up your society mentally? I don't think you can, do you, John? I don't know. I think, you know, people have just run out of options, Tom, and I, the cruel reality, and you can see this in the way you know, older homeowners are, are being advertised to, to the explosion of reverse mortgage pitches and, and grand view homes type of things will, will, will buy your house you know, as is. And, and it's appealing to people who either want to stay in their house but can't, you know, they know financially that they're stuck. They're never, it's never going to get any better. And then they got the people who have paid off their house but can't stand to live in it anymore. Nope, they don't think anybody's going to want to buy it until they, you know, Grandview Homes comes along with a check. But but people are just backed up against, you know, the, the remainder of their lives with nothing really this positive or encouraging or makes them, you know, continue to plan or have any expectation of improving things. So I, it's so demoralizing, I think, for people at the upper age level. Well, I, I think somehow we... People have to. I mean, people have to think that tomorrow's going to be better, or else how do you live? I mean, it, and yet right, right now it's and, pretty and obvious. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm, I'm guess we got a dash here pretty quick. Nancy, am I right in saying the, the mental problem here is the part that's really concerning me, or am I just being goofy by thinking that way? No, I think it's very. It's becoming a reality, and you have to help people get through it. I mean, when the older the older people I have, and I'm older. I mean. You have to start Nancy, saying, Nancy, at your 39, who are you kidding? <laughs> no, we have to say it the way it is. I mean, um, some of us were lucky, and some of us were not. And you got to find an answer for those who, who weren't and try and figure it out, help them figure it out. Otherwise, you're just, it's very difficult to go on. Like someone said to me the other day, I think I just lived too long. Well, that's, and that's I said, that's, we, we're not going to. That's not an answer. I said we have to figure out what are the problems, write them down, and then figure out how can we attack this one by one. Well, let's go week and, to week, and maybe we all get together this weekend for a cookout or something. At least we have that to look forward to. Sounds good to me. Can we ever get John? you think ever out, Nance? Do <laughs> you think John will ever show up? Well, I want to meet Nancy. Yes, I will. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So if you do show up, it's just but, to but meet Nancy. Nancy's, <laughs> Nancy's, going, Nancy's going on vacation, uh, a brief little vacation next weekend. Oh, so. all right. Well, we'll have to do it yeah, the weekend. I leave, on, I leave on Sunday. So. We'll, we'll watch Woo. the Irish somewhere. Somewhere we'll, we'll have an Irish cookout or something. Yes, I mean, I, I did it so well in Ireland. They had to be thrilled. Well, yeah, well, hey, we'll, give me a prediction on the Bears, you guys. Tom, what's going to be? Um, I, I, I'm thinking 500. Well, you can't be 500 because they don't play 17 games. I'm going to say 8-9. Okay, John? Lower. Four? <laughs> oh, no, I thought it would be 8. Sounds good, Nancy. <laughs> Nancy, you're, you're, you're a, you're a hard, hope springs eternal. Where are you? Are you going to say like 15 Super Bowl? What are you doing? Oh, no, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I was going to say, you know, eight because of splitting it in half, but I, I could go eight or nine. Let's see. I actually think they're going to be Let's quite see. a bit better, but I think Detroit's a lot better too. Green Bay, they have to beat Green Bay twice if you're going to go anywhere because Green Bay's probably the, the one they can beat twice now. Mm-hmm. Minnesota and then Detroit are going to be pretty good. There's, well, they—I thought they did pretty good Saturday for yeah. Their what schedules they were. schedules nowhere near as tough as last year. Um, yeah, so, so they, we'll see what happens. I don't, I don't know. Who knows? It's a long time. So who knows if games. we'll be, a, be able to afford to watch it? I mean, that now that 
God. ESPN, I think, wants, uh, what, four ninety five for the to oh, watch yeah. every game. Oh, yeah. it's uh, Anyway, Nance, oh. thank you, John. Thank you. Hopefully okay. see, Thanks, see somebody, see you guys soon. Up. SP Futures up 21. Nasdaq is up 107. Matt, nice job. Uh, back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars.